Welcome to the Care to Change podcast. We appreciate you joining us today. You will hear April discuss healing from trauma as she is joined on this episode by our counselor, Jean Crane. Thanks for being part of this conversation as we hope to offer you practical solutions for positive change. Welcome back, everyone. This is April Bordeaux. I'm the director here at Care to Change, and I am so glad that you've chosen to spend this time with us today. We are the second week in a new series this month. It's September, which is Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month. And so we're really looking at healing and hope uh, during this month. Last week, we kicked it off with Jared, who talked about adverse childhood experiences and the impact that they have in our lives as adults. Really, really good. I encourage you to listen to that if you haven't already. And today I'm sure will be no different. We have with us Jean Crane and she's going to talk with us about how to heal from trauma. Jean, thank you so much for joining us. As always, I love it when you're on our podcast with us. Thank you for having me. Jean has more than 20 years experience working with people and people who have been through trauma. And for those of you who don't know, Jean is a certified EMDR therapist and has all kinds of training in working with people that have trauma in their backgrounds and how to heal from trauma. So Jean comes to us not just with training, but lots of experience. And so I thought you would be the perfect person to share with us about trauma. This is a big topic. We're not going to get to everything that there is about trauma, but I do want to hit on the highlights for our listeners, especially during this month, as we look through the lens of uh, people who might feel hopeless, who have been through trauma. So um, that's what this is about today. I really want to start with just defining trauma. Uh, I think it has almost become a buzzword in our culture these days. And so people are throwing out the term trauma without really identifying what trauma is. So Jean, we're going to just jump right in. Sure. Can you give us a definition of how you would describe what trauma is? Sure. Yeah. It's, you know, a simple definition, but it's a deeply distressing or disturbing situation that overwhelms a person's ability to cope. So, you know, it, doesn't mean that only guys who or women who've gone into combat and you know the guys next to them have passed away and they've had to deal with that it's not only just a very difficult experience on the in the military but it could be also as Jared talked about last week all kinds of things that happen to kids like any sort of physical abuse or verbal abuse or the trauma of being adopted or you know in Across the continuum, I even think about environmental things that can cause trauma for people like going, experiencing a tornado or, you know, being swimming in the ocean and having a riptide and not being able to get in. Just it can be across the continuum and it's really each person's own personal experience with it. So it's really not for me to tell you, oh, that wasn't traumatic, April, that what you're telling me right now. If it overwhelmed your ability to cope and it was deeply disturbing for you, then it was a traumatic experience. Yeah, we talk a lot about little T trauma and big T trauma, even just trying to identify. But the point in doing that is to say we don't get to define someone else's trauma. Mm -hmm. I mean, having a car accident for you, you might be in a car accident and be like, oh, shoot, I have to call my insurance company, but I've got to run into work. And you just go about your day for someone else who's in the same car accident that might just completely shut them down for the day. It might overwhelm them. They might, you know, have bad dreams, like some of the symptoms that I want us to talk about. But 
we don't get to define because we each approach a traumatic situation, whether it's a one-time event or a long-standing event or something that occurred years ago, we don't get to define uh, because we're all different in how we respond yes. to those things. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's really important. It's a deeply distressing or disturbing event that's unwanted, yes. um, whether it's a one-time event or an ongoing event. Mm-hmm. So thank you for for starting just really with that definition. I know we could talk the whole time about just the definition yes. of trauma uh, and the types of trauma. Mm-hmm. And, but talk talk about what are some symptoms that someone might feel that would be indicators that they are being impacted by some sort of trauma. Sure. Yeah, there are all kinds of different indicators. One, you know, the ones that just kind of come up off the top of my head, one would be having nightmares. So if a person is re-experiencing things while they're sleeping at night. Um, Our brain tends to process through what we are thinking about during the day while we're sleeping. And so nightmares is just one indicator that that's something that's still going on in someone's head. Um, Flashbacks. So if you are living your life and all of a sudden, you know, like take for instance, your car accident um, example, if you're driving and all of a sudden panic kind of comes up on you because a semi truck truck is right next to you. Um, and maybe you had been in a car accident with one before just that flashback of like, I just am feeling my body is feeling that remembrance of what happened. Some people feel numb. It's like they've kind of disconnected from feelings. And especially if, you know, when something really tough has happened, um, maybe it was just too much and they were like, I can't even let myself feel anymore because feelings are too difficult. And so um, learning to just sort of disconnect or dissociate from feelings or even their body. And this sounds maybe for people who haven't experienced it, it sounds kind of crazy. Like what in the world does that mean? But dissociation even from being aware of what's going on in your body can happen and especially as Jared indicated last week when something happens to a young child especially about age six or below God's design is for people to survive and one of the survival mechanisms that happen quite often is to learn how to dissociate so if you are being physically abused or sexually abused or something traumatic is happening to your body it's almost like the person goes outside of their body and is watching their body go through these things in order to just survive so the kid can go to kindergarten the next day Mm -hmm. so again not being aware of what's happening emotionally or in your own physical body are also two other indicators yeah, yeah, that's so, those are so good. There there are so many symptoms. We'll make sure that we put those in the show notes. So one, we don't get to define someone else's trauma. Two, here are some very specific symptoms that indicate, hey, this might be still impacting my mm-hmm. life. A lot of times we see this, you didn't touch on it, but I'd like to talk about it before moving in. What to mm-hmm. do about it is how trauma can impact relationships. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, while you mentioned, you know, the the flashbacks and the nightmares or bad dreams, panic, numbness, dissociation, that, that sort of thing. What about how does it show up in relationships? Yeah, I really like this saying, and I'll, I'll talk about it after I say it. But one thing that we say in psychology is if it's hysterical it's often historical Mm. and what that means is that if we know that we are having sort of like a overreaction to something that's happening and I I see this a lot in families 
or I probably see this in my own life, like if my reaction to my husband about something that he's bringing up with me is kind of off the charts, then potentially it's historical, meaning that there's something else there that has maybe contributed to why this one is over the top. And so if you think about it, this can happen all the time in relationships where you've been through something, maybe a person goes through something traumatic and they start to believe something about themselves, like there's something wrong with me. And then if somebody brings up an area of critique or an area of discussion, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it's not just that moment, like you didn't, you know, you didn't make the bed right. It's there's something wrong with you. You're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And so it brings up a litany of other things that maybe they've been building the case. They're not good enough. And so when they're responding in that situation, it just feels overwhelming and it's a really big big response to that. So that's just one other indicator. I think for people, if they're noticing like an overreaction in relationship with somebody that they're close to, and when something gets brought up, that could be something Mm -hmm. dramatic that's happened. And it can impact relationships in so many different ways. It can impact relationships in the fact that we might just shut down. Like if you've been through something hard, traumatic, and it came in the context of relationship when you were younger, or at any point, maybe you don't trust people anymore. And you just kind of say, I'm not going to put my heart out there. I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to engage. I'm just going to, you know, kind of stay surface with people because I don't know if people can be trusted because some of the people in my life that I thought could be proved that they weren't. And so that's Mm -hmm. one thing that I notice happens a lot is disconnection, which actually is really unfortunate because it's the exact opposite of what we all need to survive and thrive in this world. So disconnecting, shutting down, overreacting, Um, Another one I would say is just an aggressive tone that some people take on. And that is because maybe they felt powerless and weak in whatever they were going through. And so it's like their brain is like, you will never feel that way again. You never want to feel that way again. So anger or aggression or like that posture of like push feels strong. But it also pushes people away sometimes and it can hurt relationships as we know. Yeah, you're almost talking about the automatic fight, flight, freeze. Yes. How it shows up in relationships. Yes. In mm-hmm. in marriage, you know, we call it the reactive cycle. Mm-hmm. So some button or, or wound or old trauma has been touched and I feel it ouch and it's an automatic response that I may or may not know about. And yep. so I react, yep. shutting down being angry, disconnecting, whatever it is. And then that shutting down, being angry, disconnecting, then pushes my spouse's buttons from an old wound or an old trauma or something. And so then they react and their reaction pushes my, and it becomes this reactive cycle. And so it can really destroy a relationship. Yes. If we don't address this trauma, I mean, old old wounds can destroy current relationships. Yeah, and I love that you're saying that. It just makes me think, too, of so many contexts in which, you know, I I believe that God wants us to be in relationship with each other. And then because of these things, it it can cause a disconnect in that. And even in a church, you know, in a small group situation, if you're leading a small group and there's someone that comes in, you don't know their story, and they kind of stop coming or they act really distant or they don't engage... Sometimes like we as humans, we tend to think like, well, it must be really boring what I'm talking about, or maybe they just don't like me, or there must be something wrong with me here. And maybe there's more to the story. And maybe, you know, as you continue to pursue and care for and love someone, that the context in which you're relating becomes a safe enough place that they're able to 
to be vulnerable because vulnerability is scary. Let's be yep, honest. Yep. No matter if you've been through really difficult trauma or not, it's still scary when you put your heart out there. But small groups, friendships, you right. know, all kinds of things can be impacted by trauma. And I think that's, I think what you're saying kind of moves us into the reason why listeners might have tuned in today, uh, because the topic is how to heal from trauma, right? right? So I'm, you know, just giving you this really easy, light topic to talk about <laughs> right. that we could wrap it up and, you know, three step uh, plan, we got right. <laughs> um, so there's just first of all, let's just say it, there isn't a three step plan. Yes. And if that's what you're hoping for, what we're not going to do here at Care to Change is ever just feed you some trite three-step process because that's just not reality. It's not truth. And so we're not going to give that to you. But there are steps people can take. And I'm hearing you talk about connection and relationship. And so I don't want to, I don't want to move forward than, than where you're going to go, Jean. But, you know, for the listeners, those hearing this and they're saying, okay, yeah, I definitely see some of these symptoms or, yep, I'm definitely seeing how, you know, it's playing out in the reactive cycle, either in my life or in, you know, my child's life or my parents' life or my best friend's life or whoever it is that they're listening, you know, sort of for. Now, what do I actually do about it? How does someone go about healing from trauma? What are some practical things people can do to really move forward in the healing process? I'm so glad that we're talking about this because I feel so optimistic and hopeful because Mm -hmm. of the great advances um, that we've been able to be a part of even in the past 10 to 20 years of working as a therapist. I think we just understand the brain, we understand the body, we understand things in a better way. And so I want to provide hope for people. If you're listening right now and you've been through trauma or you know somebody close to you who has been, there are definitely evidence-based approaches that can really help. And I've seen it and I love, Mm -hmm. I love my job as a therapist and it just brings me great joy and helps me just give glory to God and the fact that he created us in an amazing way. And there, there really are ways to heal. So I would say in general, so each person is different, but in general, we know some, some things that are really important in the healing process. And the first one is and and I'm going to also give a caveat all of these are hard too. <laughs> yeah. But the very first one is, you know, facing the trauma, so which what I mean by that is that you begin to share your story with somebody who's safe and it's an environment that you feel cared for and you be, feel believed and and that is tough. Some people in their lives might take inventory and think, I can't think of a single person that I feel that way with. The nice thing about coming into a therapist, it takes time too, because you know, you're going to have to be picky about the person that you meet with. But I believe that there are many therapists out there who have been trained well, and you have empathy and care, and you can develop that rapport with And when the time is right, you can begin to share your story with them. And I've had people across the board, but I remember this one guy who came in for an initial interview and he was just sharing his um, history with me for whatever reason he decided I was safe right off the bat. And he called back and said, you know what? I don't even need to come back again because it (laughs) felt so good for the very first time Mm -hmm. in my life to share that I feel a lot better. Now that is not common at all. That's Mm -hmm. really the only person I can think of who ever did. But just that beginning of starting to unload this thing that you've been carrying and maybe haven't shared it with anyone or maybe when you did try to share it 
the person wasn't receptive or didn't believe you or didn't help you, um, didn't know what to do with that, which I'm not at all blaming listeners because sometimes it's hard to know, oh my goodness, when someone's sharing something. But a therapist who you feel safe with is a great start. The great thing about therapy, again, it's confidential. So Mm -hmm. you know you can trust that this person isn't going to be sharing your information with anybody else and that they're a trained professional who knows who hopefully has some evidence-based techniques that they've been able to use that are effective. But the sharing of your story and the beginning of having a voice and letting someone else in on what you've been struggling through for however long it's been since it happened. Um, If it's a recent event, please don't take a long time to come and share that. If it's something that happened to you in childhood, what better time than the present to begin because it will always stick with you until you begin to mm-hmm. use your voice and, and share your story. And I know I'm going on and on about this, but some people feel like, well, I don't really have the right to share my story or it's really my fault. Or, you know, people told me that it was I shouldn't have done this or that. And that's the reason. But we want you to know that it is OK for you to share your story and you will be believed and you will be cared for yep. and you'll be loved through it. And and we can begin just by hearing the words of the story. So that's probably the first yeah. general step that we know is really important. And I think what I heard you say in the middle of this is it's never too late. Yes. So if someone, you know, I heard you say share it as soon as possible. If the listener is saying, gosh, well, it was you know, back when I was 10, and I'm 50 now, or, you know, I'm 25. And that was two years ago, it, the time in between, yes, do it sooner. But that's only to receive healing sooner, not, not because it's, you know, the longer you wait, the harder it is. It's, it's never too late. Mm -hmm. So there is always hope for healing, no matter the time in between whatever it is that's happened Mm -hmm. and the time that you begin to share that in a safe space. Yes. That's good. That's good. What, what else? Well, the second one is also equally as difficult (laughs) and that is that as you begin to face it and share your story, you also have to go back through and feel it to some degree. So again, another kind of statement that we say in counseling is that you have to feel it to heal it. Mm -hmm. And so the start is sharing the words. And a lot of times when people come in with complex trauma, they start their story with sharing the words toward to me. And I'm so glad that they're starting that way. But then we go back through and we kind of unpack so much more than just the facts of what happened, but what How did that impact you? What did you feel in your body? What did you feel in your heart? What emotions were occurring for you? What belief systems did you develop about yourself? How did other people react when these things were happening? In what context did it happen? And all of that elicits emotions, which is good. And if there is safety in the context of the relationship that you're sharing with, I think that most people are able to get to those emotions. And that's an important part of it. This is something scary that people think, well, if I talk about my trauma, I'm going to have to relive it and it's going to be exactly what it felt like before. And I want to provide hope that it's not exactly what it felt like before because you're still in a safe context. Mm -hmm. So it's good to like, one of the things that we do a lot of times when someone's talking is we also help them stay grounded to the present moment, Mm -hmm. which means that we often remind them like you're here in the safe space or like feel your Mm -hmm. body right now. Remember Mm -hmm. that you're here so that they're not totally feeling like they're back going back through it. 
but they are you are feeling it to some degree. You are having emotions about it. You are grieving losses. You are feeling anger. You are feeling sometimes the stress. Sometimes even a lot of times it's important too for their bot to feel their body, to check in with their body. And their body sometimes remembers. I think of one situation where somebody was sharing with me that a physical abuse situation that had happened where somebody had grabbed their arm and they were like, I can feel it in my arm right, right. now as I'm talking about it. And that's you know, it's not the same. It's not actually happening, but they can, their body is still remembering because mm -hmm. many of you maybe have heard of this book, The Body Keeps the Score, mm -hmm. but it's a great resource for understanding that even if, you know, we don't fully remember all of the pieces of traumatic memory that we've been through, our body remembers it. And sometimes when we're going back through it, we can even feel physically some of the things that had happened, but not to the same degree. Absolutely. The the when you say unpack it feel the story so many times I think what people do is they want to run from it distract themselves from it you know numb themselves from feeling it yeah really whatever they can to just stay away from that yes. because it's it's hurtful nobody yeah. wants trauma mm -hmm. and so why would I want to go back there I'm just going to throw some dirt on it and move forward and yes it's not going to impact me I'm going to shove it underneath the rug and just pretend it didn't happen because that was then and this is now and and I'm moving forward and the reality is we know the body keeps the score and unpacking this you know I that term is such a good term even though and it's kind of overused, but thinking about it, you know, what are the thoughts and the feelings and the behaviors and the responses and, and what value systems have been developed as a result of that, especially if it was something that happened early on in life. And so when value systems were sort of being developed at the very core, yeah. sometimes just taking the time to separate and parse that out, removes some of the power. Yeah. And so someone doesn't have to spend their life comforting themselves in whatever way or numbing themselves or running from it or reacting to it. Sometimes just taking the time to just, yeah. what are my thoughts about it? What are my beliefs that came from that? What are some of my value systems? How do I react when that wound is touched, yeah. whether I realize it or not? Sometimes just taking the time to dissect that out removes that power. Yes. And so no longer does the person have to numb or distract or whatever the method mm -hmm. is that's used and that in and of itself brings healing yeah because now what do I do with this extra emotional energy that I've been using to yes. to stay away from this so freeing right and so mm -hmm. now I'm like oh I'm I have a little bit more freedom now I have a little bit more emotional capacity yeah. to really move forward and and that Enjoy in and of itself present. like mm -hmm. what am I supposed to do with that now yes. I've got this extra space and yeah that's really where the healing begins because now mm -hmm. I can begin to nurture those spaces and that's where healing can start. So I love that, you know, face it and then feel it. Mm -hmm. And then what's next? Yeah. Well, and in part, like you're, you're talking about unpacking it and part of what happens in the facing it and feeling it is beginning to understand how it's impacted a lot of life. And so as you're going through it, it's not like we said at the beginning, it's not a three-step process. Come in for three sessions and we start with face it, then feel Right. But through the process, in whatever length of time that takes for a person, they're beginning to recognize, like, how has this impacted my body? So I'll talk about some different ways that I think trauma impacts people. One is, like I said, the body. 
that maybe if they've, you know, been through trauma where their body was pumping out chemicals like cortisol and adrenaline all the time, they're just fatigued. Their body is tired Mm -hmm. because it's been living in this fight or flight state for a long time. And so recognizing that that takes a toll on the Mm -hmm. body. And I've noticed something, um, a common experience as a trauma therapist is that People come in maybe in their 40s or 50s. They've been white knuckling it through life. They've been pushing through it. But their body is finally like, this is it. I'm done. Like, this is too much. And they're not done. Their body isn't. But it's just like their body is saying, like, I need to work through this. And so to me, that's a warning sign if there is like just exhaustion or a chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia, some of these physical things that are happening for people. um, That might be one of those, you know, dashboard warning lights like, hey, maybe you need to come in and talk about this because you can't push through anymore. Your body is just done. So physically, you know, all kinds of different things can happen. You can be more prone towards sickness, um, heart issues, all kinds of things when you have unprocessed trauma in your life. But as you begin to unpack it you recognize that then all of a sudden you can say hey my body is worth taking good care of and I can be kind to my body and I can start like recognizing when it's being pushed too much or I can start you know exercising Mm -hmm. more and moving it more and taking good care of it or filling it with good things Mm -hmm. like nutrition and I think that can be just freeing too just really life-changing so as you're unpacking it recognizing the toll on the body How has that impacted you emotionally? We've talked about this a little bit, but are you in touch with your feelings? What even, what does it mean to feel these different things? Am I allowed to have these feelings? And all of a sudden it opens up also, again, a gamut of emotions that a person is now able to feel and able to express. When, like Jared talked about last week, when you go through adverse childhood experiences, a lot of times you just learn like you aren't allowed to have feelings. You better have either the feelings of happiness or you're making it happen for somebody else. But if you feel stressed or you feel sad or you feel upset, too bad, you know, suck it up and be, you got to just snap out of it and be okay. And all of a sudden when they're unpacking this stuff, they're like, I'm allowed to feel that way. And I, I, I can be in touch with that. I can express it. And what we wish could have happened earlier, whenever that was, that the original trauma happened, we're now giving permission that Mm. it's okay to identify and express. And your feelings can be validated when you have healthy relationships in your life. And as an adult, if you're coming in as an adult, you can you can choose now to have relationships with people who will do those things for you and who will validate your feelings and let you express it. And you can connect with people in a deeper way than you ever thought possible when you're in touch with those feelings. I know the the one of the first steps to developing authentic and meaningful relationships is the validation of thoughts and feelings. Yes. Not necessarily the agreement, but the validation of And if someone isn't validating their own feelings, which means they have to recognize them, there's no way that someone else can do that for you. And so to have deep, meaningful relationships that are truly based on trust, it requires recognizing your own emotions, sharing those emotions and allowing those emotions to be validated, which is a giving and a receiving of validation and nurture and emotions. And if you are disconnected from that, or you haven't permitted yourself to feel that or weren't given the opportunity to feel that because you were told, you know, suck it up and move on, then it's difficult then to enter because the wall that's sort of built around the heart keeps people out as much as 
um, it does preventing pain, I yes, guess, in a way. Absolutely. And so, yeah. So good. And I think in, you know, taking it one step further too, you mentioned this at the beginning, but a lot of times with trauma, there's belief systems that we build about ourselves. So mm-hmm. not even just don't express feelings, but like you're a bad person. Like there's mm-hmm. something wrong with you. You don't, you're not even worthy to think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these belief systems really impact us for life too, especially when they're done in those younger years, you don't have anyone else speaking into it. And so, you know, our brains are being wired. A lot of times shame attaches itself to the survivor of trauma. Yes. And that's unfortunate because it's the wrong place. Right. Like, you know, and so a person might believe these things and think, well, I'm just a bad person. So I don't deserve to have anybody in my life that would care right. about me or validate me or that I could connect with. And so shame can keep us really isolated. It can also be an an intense motivator. This is a very interesting thing, I think. But if we have shameful beliefs, I'm not good enough. Some people, they react by just shutting down. Some people react by being motivated to prove that wrong. And so they're going about their whole life thinking like, if I could just perform and if I could just be perfect, if I could do this perfectly, then maybe I can prove that shame wrong. And that's exhausting Mm -hmm. and impossible in and of itself. And so like you said, when you begin to sort these things out with a person who can help you do it, all of a sudden there's this freedom like, oh my goodness, I don't have to be perfect anymore. And I don't have to believe that there's something wrong with me. And I can see myself with compassion and grace and recognize myself as a whole person who is just a person who's just human. And it is an unbelievably freeing thing. And for us as therapists, I'm sure you've had these experiences too. It's such a beautiful process. I love this work. Because I, I've had people in their 70s come yes. in and for the very first time in their life, yes. like, I've never known this before, but it's right. the best I've ever felt in my life. And I'm seeing myself more in line with how God sees me right. than ever before. And it, it's just so fulfilling. Yes. But it's hard work too. <laughs> it is. And, and, you know, what we know about brain science is when someone experiences trauma if they aren't allowed or they do not process it in the context of safe relationships, the brain will fill in the why. Yes. Why did it happen Mm -hmm. automatically to shame? It must be because I'm fill in the blank. And so if it's not processed in the context of a safe relationship, someone will walk around feeling like, I'm a failure. I deserve it. I'm not worth yes. it. And then they resort to these other, yes. which impact relationships. It's just cyclical. Yep. So I'm hearing face it, you know, feel it, understand the impact. I'm also hearing you say, practice self-compassion in this. Yeah. Yeah. Self-care and self-compassion. Um, self-compassion in seeing yourself in a new light, recognizing that you're only human, seeing the good in yourself giving yourself grace when you don't do it perfectly. And if you were blessed to have a family of origin who taught you these things, then maybe it's wired into your brain to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And you didn't pick though. You didn't pick who you grew up with. So if you weren't able to have that, it's never too late to learn that. And the good news is that our brains can still be rewired. We talk about this a lot, but we can build new neural pathways. It does take time and it does take unpacking and kind of figuring out it. I think it's helpful as an adult to go like, Oh, that makes sense. Oh, that's why I 
always thought that, oh, I always saw myself this way Mm -hmm. because then it gives you something to like kind of hook into. So instead of just hearing like, you know, look in the mirror and say 10 nice things to yourself every morning, which Mm -hmm. is fine. Like that's a good thing to do. But if you're like, okay, I'm used to seeing these negative things about myself. Now I'm understanding why I say those things, but now I can recognize it quicker and then I can replace it with a a Mm -hmm. new way. So that self-compassion of the, the positive affirming thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really believe that that is in line with how God sees people. And so this isn't just a, right. you know, human practice, like, well, I'm just going to start seeing myself better. It's like, okay, I believe that my designer, the guy who mm-hmm. created me and made me this way, loves me a lot. And he thinks highly of me and finds great delight in me. So I think I can begin to do that for myself too. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then the self-care piece, that's just the part that we talked about too, just working on saying, and my, my body, my physical body deserves good care. Yep. And I can, I deserve to do that. When you believe about yourself that you're worthy, then you can act in line with that belief when you take care of yourself. Um, so instead of being ashamed of yourself or feeling like you deserve to be, you know, treated poorly because you're quote unquote, a bad person or those shameful statements, all of a sudden you're seeing yourself in a new way and you can act in line with that way. And you can live that abundant life that I really believe that God wants people to live that, that he wants them to experience. Absolutely. You know, and I think about this trauma as it relates to physical, right? Cause we often say mental health is physical health. And so if, um, I, you know, injure my knee pretending that the injury isn't there, doesn't make the knee heal. Yes. I have to first face the fact that, okay, I've injured my knee. Mm-hmm. And then I have to actually know what it's doing to me. Yep. I have to understand the impact it's having on my life. Mm-hmm. And then what I need to do is go take care of it, right? Yes. What am I going to do um, to actually address this wound? And yes. it's kind of the same with yes. the heart, right? And so mm-hmm. facing it, feeling it, understanding the impact, mm-hmm. practicing the self-compassion mm-hmm. and doing this continually especially in the context of safe, loving relationships. Over time, you look back and like, oh, I have healed. I'm not reacting as much. Or I've recognized the reaction when the statement automatically enters my mind. And now I can reframe that and practice that self-compassion and speak truth into into that space. And so I'm acting in out of healthy versus out of proving or shutting down or whatever the, the, the method is that people use. Yes. This is so helpful. And to um, go further into mm-hmm. your knee illustration, I, um, I tore my ACL in my knees playing sports and stuff. So I want to say this, that sometimes knee requires surgery, not just a bandaid. Right. And this is really the hard part about, um, especially trauma or complex trauma is that a lot of people will come into counseling and the the surgery starts as they start to go. And they're like, this, this is really right. feeling bad. Like, I thought I could come in here and we could, you know, sort mm-hmm. of patch it up, put some Neosporin, put a Band-Aid. And so I try to do give that illustration to people sometimes is that that surgery can feel hard, mm-hmm. really hard. But if I wouldn't have had my ACL reattached, I couldn't still play right. sports. And I'm so glad that I went through that surgical process and the physical therapy afterwards and all this stuff, the pain of it mm. to get to the other side so that I don't even have to put a Band-Aid on anymore because the inner work is done. And so I want to say that to anybody who comes in to counseling and thinks, um, I feel like it's maybe getting worse rather than mm. getting better. Maybe you've lived your life dissociated or like not really noticing how hard things are. Then when you start to notice it, it does feel hard, mm-hmm. but then it's worth it when you work through it and get to the other side. You're like, 
wow, I feel so different and it is worth it. Now I can engage in life the way that I was created to. I just, I see this so much in the marriage intensives. It's usually like, you know, day two, they've told their story, they've understood the impact. And then all of a sudden it's like this great big gaping hole. Yes. And like, this is too hard because now all of a sudden I'm feeling it. I just recently was working with a veteran who, you know, at the beginning, I said, okay, where do you feel how you're feeling today with a heart check, you know, and I don't feel it in my body. Well, as a veteran who's been over to war, he was taught not to sure. feel what, yep. whatever he was feeling in his body because he had to move on. It was a life or death situation. Well, by day three, you know, he's saying, I feel pain everywhere in my body. Yes. And now I'm worried because I didn't feel this before. And yes. so how is this actually helping? Yes. And it was almost like, well, maybe for the first time you're actually connecting Yes. to whatever it is that your body has felt. Yes. And so, yeah, right now it feels worse, mm -hmm. but what you're doing is connecting to the emotion so that healing can occur. Yep. Right. And so mm -hmm. to your, to your analogy is like, you've just had surgery. Yes. You really feel it now. And there's this point, anybody who's had surgery, especially has at some point thought, Oh, is this going to be worth it? Yes. You know, and it isn't until, you know, on the other side, when the knee is stronger and mm -hmm. you're playing sports and you're not having to you know, you know, be worried what's going to happen to it. That all of a sudden like, okay, that surgery was worth it. Yes. But there's a moment where you're like, oh my gosh, why this did I just worse. do this? <laughs> right. um, so yeah. I'm glad that you took that one step further. Yeah. So there's so much to this. And I think what I really want the listeners to hear is number one, trauma is common. Um, the number of people that experience trauma is just yes. outrageous. And it's not a burden to to begin this process yes. for people who love you yes. and care about you and to find that safety that there is hope mm -hmm. uh, when this process starts that healing is available and that you're not alone in yes. this process I want I really want the listeners to know this is not a burden there is hope and you're not alone in this your situation and story may be different but you're not alone in that you've experienced it that there is pain, that it is difficult, mm -hmm. and that there is hope still yes. available. Um, what resources would you provide to our listeners today? I know there's so many. Yeah, there's some really good ones um, for people who are interested in this. I mentioned already The Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. This is just one that really helps us understand how our physical bodies are connected mm -hmm. to trauma that have happened in the past. Dr. Nadine Burke wrote a book called The Deepest Well, and she is a, an MD who was working as a pediatrician and all of a sudden started recognizing that a lot of kids and you know students who come in are also going through adverse childhood experiences and it's impacting their physical health. And that one is was really, I loved every mm -hmm. bit of that book too, the practical advice that she gives mm -hmm. as a doctor. And then Dr. Kurt Thompson, he's a he comes from a faith perspective. He wrote The Anatomy of the Soul and the Soul of Shame. And um he is a he is a psychiatrist but also has studied a lot of neuroscience, so understands the brain, understands the body um, from the, his training in psychiatry and also um, from a faith perspective. And I really like 
how he puts the pieces together. I actually asked my husband to read it because I thought, is this just me that I really like right. this stuff? And he read it. He is not in psychology or anything, and he really enjoyed that one too. So I'm in the middle of the soul of shame right now because I think that what we talked about earlier, the shame piece is a really important one mm-hmm. too. And so far, it's a wonderful read as well. There's also one called Try Softer mm-hmm. um, that I think could be a great one too. So depending on each person's personality, but checking right. those different ones out. I was really proud of, um, I went and did a training on trauma for a school system in the area and the head of school said, I got all of those books and I read all of them. And I just thought, thank you so much for caring for students and, you know, for digging in and reading and understanding more. And, you know, he enjoyed it a lot. So, and to that end, Jean, we do this quite a bit. We had a a round table that we did with church leaders earlier this Mm -hmm. year on the topic of becoming a trauma informed church. And um, if you uh, lead a group or you're a church leader or a community leader, and you're saying, I really need to learn more about trauma. If you're in a relationship and you see the impact, please reach out to us because really, you know, we can give you these resources. We have great resources on YouTube, Mm -hmm. uh, on our website, blogs, we have all kinds of resources about this topic. Uh, But if you're like, I really, really need to have a conversation about this, or I'm ready to take the next step and to actually begin facing what it is um, that I've walked through. And we, we never walk people faster than they're willing to go. So if you're willing to do the brave work, I want to really encourage listeners to um, reach out um, and look at what's available. Almost every single, if not every single therapist here at Care to Change has been trained in some sort of trauma care uh, and trauma treatment. And so not every therapist is for every person. So it's important to find the therapist that Mm -hmm. you feel safe with. Mm -hmm. And every therapist has their own sort of style and personality. So, you know, read the biographies. It doesn't have to be someone here. It can be anyone as long as it's a safe mm-hmm. person that's been trained and can walk you through that. And it's our privilege and joy yeah. to work with yeah, people absolutely. who come in. I always feel like so blessed that someone be would be willing to share their story mm-hmm. and it is not a burden. It is a joy. Yeah. What an honor that yes. we have um, to be a part of that. Yes. So if you're listening and you know you're ready, please reach out to us. We'll put the resources uh, that Jean mentioned in the show notes. Um, we have a We have a blog that was written on how to choose a therapist. I think we can throw that one in there too. So if you're ready to take the next step and you're like, I don't even know how to pick a therapist, we'll put that one in there as well. So you can take a look at that and in your search process. But Jean, as always, um, such an important topic and it's a big one. And I really just appreciate your tenderness and knowledge that you bring to this conversation. So thanks thanks for for letting me come on. Always, always. So thank you all for joining us next week. um, We're going to continue this conversation uh, with Brittany Gibson on how to heal from loss and grief and tragedy. And I know that that's an important conversation because we don't get to go through life not experiencing loss in some way. So please join us next week and have a great week in between. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Care to Change podcast, where we offer you practical solutions for positive change. We invite you to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in this episode. If you have any questions or would like additional information, please reach out to us on our care line at 317 317- 979-7133 or email us at help at
care2change.org. We thank you again and hope you will join us for more of our podcast conversations.